A soft spot is something that would be a virtue if it wasn't the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> Well-met adventurers, my name is Lee. I'm Joe, and welcome to Mage Productions. So for this week, we're doing another systems episode, which is always fun. I love new systems. New systems. I really do. (laughs) So this week, we have Laura B., who will be joining us to talk to us about red markets. Hello. Hello, Internet. (laughs) How are you doing today? Doing well. Good. Yes. I'm, I'm excited to hear. Cool. I'm very excited to hear about this system. I've heard about it through the grapevine and I've never had an opportunity to play. So I'm curious as to how the system works and flourishes. Well, I guess I should start with the elevator pitch then. Yeah. <laughs> it's a economic horror, which means it's a bit of a poverty simulator with uh, zombies to keep it from being too depressing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Very nice. Zombies keeps the depression away. Mm-hmm. Yes, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, in this system, they kind of function like the weather. Most of the zombies still going around are slow. So if you are paying attention, you can deal with them. But they have the capacity to surprise you, especially if you're not prepared. They also tend to congregate in low-lying areas because, you know, it's easier to walk downhill, even when you're dead. (laughs) That's good to know. That's good to know. Mm -hmm. Avoid hills. (laughs) Top of the hill's fine. It's the bottom you got to worry about. Sure, sure. Hill's good. (laughs) Valley's bad. Very cool. The dice part of the system is pretty simple. Um, You need two dice, the red and the black. If you know, like, Economics 101, you're going to recognize every single term. Um, It's just all named after economics things. So you want to keep your dice rolls in the black. You want your black die to um, come out ahead of your red die, which is representing the variable um, difficulties of the world. So um, whenever you need to do something that involves risk, you're going to roll your dice. You're going to add your skill to the black die and then just compare if your black die is a higher number than your red die. Okay. Um, There are criticals um, and criticals happen whenever you roll a pair of numbers um, before applying your skill. So one, one, that's bad. Two, two, that's real good. Odds are critical failures, evens are critical successes, which if you know a little bit about dice manufacturing means you're going to uh, know that you're going to end up with a lot of seven, seven critical failures. (laughs) Because unless you've got the really, really expensive, well-made dice, the molds are such that they're just a little bit heavier on the threes, which are opposite the sevens. So the sevens come up more often. (laughs) Mm, Interesting. I didn't even know that about dice. I didn't either, actually. Neither did Caleb the writer, who got really frustrated during playtesting going, why are there so many seven-seven crit failures? 
<laughs> research and it's like, oh, this is thematically appropriate. <laughs> so it worked out. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's nice. amazing. I love it. So you've mentioned that it is economic horror. What does that mean? That means that your goal as a player character is to retire. It's to get the heck out of this area of the world where you go to bed with zombies clacking their teeth outside the walls every night, where you have to worry about whether or not um, there's going to be food tomorrow. And you just want to get the heck across the Mississippi River to where all you got to worry about is the fascist surveillance state that is the United States. (laughs) Because it might be dystopia, but at least you are pretty sure you're going to wake up in the morning and you'll be fed. I mean, that's always a plus. (laughs) Usually. I I guess I would rather be fed than be fed on, so. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So the setting uh world building part of the setting is that zombies happened nobody knows why that's part of the horror of the system it's unexplainable it's insane there's no science behind this thing for all we know uh gaia decided that uh humans were messing up the world too much and just sent zombies (laughs) like one does so there were, you know, cascading outbreaks of sudden emergence of zombies. And when zombies emerge, they emerge um, screaming, sprinting, cannibal style. Uh, if you if you know uh, the 28 Days Later canon, they're the fast zombies. Um, and in universe, they're called vectors. And one of the terrifying things about vectors is that as the blight, which is what turns you into a zombie... Um, takes over your brain, it doesn't kill you right away. It strips away your impulse control and your ability to control your body. So you're sitting there watching yourself getting ready to eat your friends and family. Mm. Screaming the whole time because you're in pain and you're apologizing. So apologies in system are one of those things that have just suddenly become terrifying. Like people will draw guns on you if you say, I'm sorry. (laughs) Because they're like, oh, are you about to turn into a zombie? (laughs) So what in universe, um, there's this cascading uh, problem of outbreaking um, zombieitis. Starting from the West Coast and sort of moving east. The problem isn't actually the fast zombies. It's people getting bit, getting on a bus, and turning later now that they are farther down the road. So you're chaining outbreaks across the United States. And the military sort of got together, decided that the Mississippi line was where they were holding, and they let as many people across as they could because uh, somebody found the um, orders to, you know, just blow the bridges and get the heck across. So they, they WikiLeaks styled um, the orders. And some people at the 
Mississippi held bridges and let people across. And some people just blew the bridges as they were ordered to. But, you know, eventually there's a horde of sprinting, screaming, apologizing cannibals coming at the Mississippi. So they did eventually all blow the bridges. And the blight is super dense and just sinks in water. Hence why they were holding it at the Mississippi. So the east east of the Mississippi in setting is called the recession. It's where the United States government receded to. Um, everything to the left, uh, the west of the Mississippi has been written off at a loss. It is the loss. So you are one of those people who was very unlucky and was west of the Mississippi. <laughs> five years ago. You want to get yourself and your family or whoever you have as dependents out of the loss and into the recession or, you know, um, buy your way up in an enclave. Um, enclaves are, you know, people grouping together to survive because nobody lays down and dies. You, you group up, you cooperate and you try and figure out how to keep going. Um, so the standardized retirement plan is um buying your way into the recession with enough money to not be a refugee stuck in free parking. Um, <laughs> he looks good at naming things. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the standardized uh, money unit is called bounty. And it is essentially proof, proof of death in the form of uh, driver's licenses or other document IDs because the United States government would kind of like to figure out how many citizens they have uh, left, left, how many people are in which state, who owns what property, and maybe who owns what property in the loss eventually. Um, the other part of the setting is that everybody who was left in the loss um, is subject to a policy called homo secor, which translates to a cursed man. They are literally outlaws. They are outside the law. They are legally dead because they should have died. Otherwise, everybody's going to turn into a zombie and come, you know, eat the East Coast. <laughs> Like you do. Like you do. <laughs> so um, they are legally dead. And if you get caught in the recession, bad days. Hmm. So it's all about getting together enough money to keep your gear, go- your gear that keeps you alive outside of your enclave where you have to deal with, you know, zombies um, while you go out and do things, keeping that all that gear going. And saving money to try and get your family out of hell. Hence, economic horror. <laughs> yeah, no joke. Mm-hmm. That's intense. I, honestly, <laughs> I don't think Caleb does anything less than intense. Well, it sure sounds like it. Yeah. So you said that when you're you're doing like, checks and things through the game you have the the two dice the red and black and you add your skill to it or um so how how do you get those skills is it something that like levels up in your game is it you what you start with is where it stays how does that work 
You um, start at a set amount that you, you get a certain amount of points to distribute among a set list of skills. And then you can get more skills through the same thing you use to get everything else in the game. Bounty. Nice. You can spend money on your gear. You can spend money on yourself for professional development, or you can spend money on keeping your family alive. Mm. Mm. Priorities. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're very unlikely to have enough money to do all of the above. Mm-hmm. That's very intriguing. So mm-hmm. then it, it sounds like it's not quite a leveling system. It's, your goal is to get as much bounty as possible so that you can then spin that bounty as you please on yourself or your family or your gear. Or healthcare or psychiatric care in the form of booze. I mean, I can attest to that. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> <laughs> One of the huh. things I rather like about the system um, is that he has a humanity track. Um, have you played Call of Cthulhu and been exposed to their sanity? Yes. It's akin to it in that you have to um, roll your self-control skill when you come up against things that um, hurt psychically, Um, much the same way um, you have to roll a sanity check when you come up up against something horrifying in Call of Cthulhu. But this is, despite the zombies, slightly more realistic. So you have to check against things that cause detachment or against things that cause trauma or against things that cause stress. And the way Caleb wrote it that uh, it's very easy for me to remember is your uh, detachment is when the zombie's going to bite somebody else. Trauma is when the zombie's going to bite you. Stress is when the zombie's going to bite your wallet. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's stressful. I don't want a zombie to eat my eat my bounty. Nope. No. 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 How does that work? How does a zombie eat your wallet? Uh, destroy gear. Mm. Um, if they're about to do something that would make it a lot harder for you to uh, finish your job and get paid. Basically, it's work stress. Okay. So you said one of the things they can do is destroy gear. Is there like a a certain number of uses on gear? Does it have uh, a system where it degrades over time or anything like that? Every bit of gear has 10 charges. <laughs> my gun fires 13 bullets. I don't care. It has 10 charges. Okay. That's how the gear works. <laughs> so you fired your last bullet. What are you going to do? Well, you could pop another clip in uh, the gun or load with the speed. However your gun works, you could add more ammo. Mm-hmm. But, but could you find enough ammo? Could you pay for the ammo? Did you have room in your backpack? You can only carry so much. So um, one of the uh, stats you have is adaptability. And one of the derived stats off of that is haul. That's how many uh, refreshes of an item you can bring with you. Hmm. That's okay. really neat. Yeah. I, I think it, the gear system is very elegant. Yeah. I like that it has the 
it degrades over time and you can only carry so much and you could probably only afford so much. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we played a game with uh, one of my friends named Ethan who um, writes very intriguing characters who are optimized oh. for completely the wrong system. <laughs> um, and so we're playing this game and he's like, I haven't made my, uh, my maintenance level yet. I haven't made my upkeep. I haven't made my upkeep. And finally we're like, what is your upkeep? <laughs> <laughs> and he's at like twice the amount that any of the rest of us run. <laughs> Jesus, man. <laughs> what he was carrying like a drunky, uh, a bot <laughs> designed to carry your gear for you. Drunkies. Oh, um, and like a shotgun and uh, the in what is in universe called Ubix. Think Google Glass, except actually, you know, really useful. (laughs) 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 You know, he just had a lot of technical gear Mm -hmm. and it was it was not pretty. (laughs) Oh, poor guy. I think he kicked his drunky off the off the wall at some point. <laughs> Want to cut down his costs when he got back. Oh, so could you walk us through a little bit about like how you play a game, a session, or a campaign, as it would be? Um, so a session um, would consist of uh, you'd start with vignettes. Vignettes are scenes you role play with your dependents. And for every dependent you have, you will heal one column of humanity. Um, So you need to uh, spend time with them. Um, You need to uh, either help them with a problem they're having, describe how, um, what you two do together and how that heals your you know, helps you with your mental state or just role play something about the enclave you live in. Um, These are three different types of vignettes and, you know, you go around the table and everybody has one and you may have more than one dependent, but you only have to do one vignette. After that, you have to prepare for your job. You need to go figure out um, who, figure out what jobs are available If you're good, you can also figure out uh, who the client is, how much they're going to pay, and maybe something about the job. You might even be able to figure out who your competition for the job would be and maybe run them off. Well, no, running them off is during scams. I'll get to scams. (laughs) So once you have, as a group, decided which job you want to go negotiate for, your uh face character, your social talking person is going to walk into the room with the client or talk to them uh, via the internet. For the apocalypse, we have surprisingly good internet. (laughs) It's important, guys. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's when you enter into negotiations. And uh, negotiations are a very cool subsystem to me. Um, They do, they are a little tricky for first-time players to go through. It, it really helps to have a GM who understands negotiations or have listened to um, other folks. But once, once it sort of clicks, it really clicks. Um, so the way negotiations work is that um, 
the negotiator and the client are going to be uh, paired off talking at each other, trying to come to a price. And there is um, a set uh, tracker that will describe, you know, where the negotiator starts and where the client starts, and they will come and try and meet in the middle. And obviously the client wants to pay as little as possible and the negotiator wants to get as much money as possible. So they'll do a round. And the round consists of a little bit of talking, and then the negotiator rolls a uh, charisma skill based on how they you know, were talking. Were they trying to intimidate? Were they trying to persuade? Were they lying? That kind of thing. And then after that round, you know, based on that skill, you'll get a certain amount of sway, which is just how much up you can push. And the client will always have one sway because the market just wins. If, uh, if you rolled your dice and got, after adjustment, got a tie, uh, so, you know, say you rolled a three and the die rolled a three after uh, your skills were applied, ties go to the market. But after each round, um, one of the other players who's not necessarily in the room gets to go run a scam. A scam is them going off and doing something before the negotiator ever walked in. Because y'all are competent um, takers because you're not dead yet. So you know, you know you have to like learn about the job or the client before your negotiator ever walks in. So I've, as a player character, gone through somebody's trash to find out about uh, the negotiator. Other folks have gone and talked to other people um, who know the, the client to um, find out about the job they're offering. Every character uh, has uh, spots called your weak spot, your soft spot, and your tough spot. For players, your weak spot is a character flaw. It's something about you that no matter how much you try and break yourself of that habit, it's always a character flaw like being easy to anger. A soft spot is something that would be a virtue if it wasn't the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> like animal lover. Putting yourself in danger because you really like puppies is not a great idea. No? No. Not, not with zombies no. running around. No. no? Right. And your tough spot explains how you've survived this long. So that's kind of like character classes. Mm -hmm. For clients, they have a weak spot, a soft spot, and their tough spot is a problem about the job. So the, um, both the client and the negotiator can try and use those spots on other people to try and get more sway. So a lot of scams are about finding out the client's, uh, client's spots. So you'll go back and forth um, depending on uh, the uh, leadership check your uh, talky character rolled when they walked in. That will tell you how many uh, rounds you have. At the end, there'll be another round to see um, if the client pushes down one final time or the uh, negotiator pushes up one final time. So then you'll have a number of bounty that the client will pay when you get back. 
because nobody's stupid enough to pay you ahead of time. (laughs) (laughs) At that point, if you haven't run off the competition, they'll walk in or call in or something and say, hey, we'll do the job for one step less. At which point you have to uh, either let it go to them or uh, talk the client into sticking with you. After that, it's time to leave the enclave and go to the uh, wherever the job's going to be. So distance in here is measured in legs. A leg is a unit of narratively interesting time. How fast do Star Furies in Babylon 5 go? At the speed of plot. How far away is it? <laughs> Narrative units of interesting time. <laughs> so... Legs are things that happen on the way to the job site, and they are a good time to try and um, get together more objects that you can sell for money. Um, Because quite frequently, that's the only way you're going to make money. (laughs) Seems fair. Clients don't want to pay money. (laughs) So uh, legs to the job site and then at the job site. Um, There should always be a complication. Because why why hasn't this job site, whatever is there that needs to happen, why hasn't that happened in the last five years? So uh, the job site is the last part of the session, unless you have a particularly sadistic GM who, want, who wants you to have to do a leg on the way back. <laughs> oh, that, that guy right there. Yep. What? <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason I'm a player in this game and my partner's the GM. <laughs> I'm fundamentally optimistic. <laughs> oh. So that's a basic session of uh, Red Markets. You can turn this into a campaign by playing the same characters, running into the same clients, um, doing multiple jobs for them. Jobs that happen in sequence are called job lines. Um, and you save up money to get to milestones towards your retirement. Hmm. That's really cool. Yeah. I like the, the structure of it sounds quite intriguing for a session. Yeah. I, I like how structured it is. It really helped. I do GM, even if I think Adam (laughs) is a little better at it. I, I found the structure very helpful to have that scaffolding. Mm-hmm. on how to run a game. It is deeply episodic. It, I have had good experience with campaigns for it, um, but it, it's one of the few games, I think, that work just as well as uh, one-shots and as campaigns. Yeah, I mm-hmm. can definitely see that. For, yeah. for one-shots, yeah. you really want to hand players characters. Fair. Character creation is not hard, but mm-hmm. it does eat up time, and there's quite a bit of stuff that you can do mm-hmm. um, for one shots at um, conventions. The advice I've given most often is to skip negotiations. It's occasionally tough to teach to people. So it would take up a lot of time. Um, I find them deeply fun. I like the nonlinear high structure of it, but um a lot of what's going to draw people to the table the first time is going out and shooting zombies. <laughs> yep. So, mm-hmm. so get in the setting stuff with vignettes and then go do the legs and the job. Right. 
And if, you know, they're interested and they want to play again, that's when you start um, doing negotiations. Nice. Okay. I think it's a, it's kind of a cool way to, I don't want to say dumb it down, but to, to make it easier for someone that doesn't know what they're doing in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still like this, this seems like it's a really good thinking game, I guess. I, the the words are not coming to me right. <laughs> like I know what I want to say in my head right now. Like y- you have to strategize. You can't just like sit down and be like, no, I'm gonna go out here and I'm gonna kill things, because you're. It sounds like you're not going to last very long if if you do that. Like you you actually have to. Think if you want to play that character, there are characters <laughs> for you. <laughs> One of the things about the setting is that um, you start seeing cults. Because deeply traumatizing world event, you're going to get some people going a little sideways. Sure. Yep. One of the sideways ways is a group called Black Math, whose view is that for humanity to survive, some people are going to go have to kill a ton of zombies. (laughs) Someone's got to do it. Someone's got to do it Um, because for every person that dies to a casualty, the casualty count goes up by one and the humanity count goes down by one and they can reproduce casualties very quickly. Whereas it takes 20 years to get a human to a point where they can go fight 15. If you're being an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If what you want to do is find a justification for going out there and killing a lot of zombies, black math is for you. Just go join a cult. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) That seems reasonable. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Oh, I love love it. it. Well, Well, thank you so much for talking to us about Red Markets. It sounds like an absolute blast to play Mm -hmm. and something that is completely different from everything that we have heard so far. So very much so. Yeah. Uh, If people want to find out more about you or the system or both, where can they find more information on you and more information about red markets? Well, red markets is uh, for sale on drive through RPG um, and through the independent game designers network. And on Caleb's website, redmarketsrpg.com. Um, I'm on Twitter, uh, at Laura B underscore rights, and part of the Technical Difficulties Gaming Podcast. Nice. Sweet. We all got together because Caleb put out the uh, beta version of this and wanted playtesters, and none of us had a uh, local group that we thought could we could play with. So we found each other on uh, the forums for the role-playing, role-playing role public, public radio. radio. I Wow. Forums. <laughs> got together. Said, none of us want to write playtest notes, so why don't we just record ourselves playing, since we all have to meet up <laughs> online anyway. 18 recordings later, we finished our campaign, sent them off to Caleb, looked at each other and said, I like playing with you guys. Why don't we keep doing this? <laughs> That's and the way to do it. Podcast. Awesome. That's but, the uh, way to our, do it. Our early days of uh, getting together over Google Hangouts were plagued by a lot of uh, Google Hangouts cutting out on us. So we're the t- Technical Difficulties Podcast. <laughs> 
Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you so much again. This has been absolutely great. Mm-hmm. Come, uh, come hang out with us sometime online and we'll run a game for you. Absolutely. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. If you would like to interact with us, you can find us on Twitter at mage underscore podcast or check out our website, mageproductions.com. Or if you just want to tell other people how much you love the show and that they should listen, uh, you can leave us a five star review. Go and review us wherever you get your podcast from. We really love to see those and read what you think. And we would like to give a huge shout out to our partners and sponsors. First off, Hit Dice. Hit Dice. Hit Dice. Check them out at hitdicepod.com and on Twitter at hitdicepod. Also, Kraken Dice. Uh, if you're looking for some awesome new dice, you don't have to look any further. Just just go check them out, crackandice.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at crackandice. And then when you find your dice that you have to have, use the the code MAGE and get yourself 10% off because who doesn't like 10% off? And of course, last but not least, SoNerdware.com, a place to find fun clothing and accessories tailored for tabletop geeks and nerds everywhere. They're also on Twitter at SoNerdware. They've really stepped up the entire game for us. They now host all of our swag, so you can get t-shirts, stickers, mugs, cups. So you can go to SoNerdware.com and search for Mage Productions to find all of our cool swag. And then once you find everything, you can use code MAGE to get 10% off your entire order. Anything else? I don't know. I, I think we, we actually got it all that time. It helps when you write things down. It does. Thanks, Joe. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs>